Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be with you again and as we continue our journey through the book of James. Last week we looked at James 1, 19 to 20. You'll remember the words, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I asked you to do some homework during the week, perhaps you remember. I asked you to let someone go ahead of you in the line at the grocery store. Did, did anyone of you actually get a chance to do that? I see a few of us. Yes, I tried. I tried to let someone go ahead of me. Um, I asked if you would share a gracious word with someone, a family member or friend. Did you have a chance to share a gracious word? Did you? Did you share a gracious word? You all get gold stars in a a red check. Well done. Um, Living, hearing the word of God, and doing. That's what James is about. And my encouragement is that you would do something. Now, Phil referenced your Valentine's insert in your bulletin. You want to pull out your Valentine's insert? There's a little pink insert. That is a... That is a fresh design by Phil. Nowhere else on earth will you find that Valentine's uh, card. And I would love you, we spoke about gracious words last Sunday. I would love you to share gracious words, kind words, loving and encouraging words in a Valentine. Um, So that's why we gave you the Valentine. And no, it's not quite Valentine's Day. Um, It's coming soon and I've got to go shopping for obvious reasons, Sarah, and um, to get my, my sweetie uh, some sweets and a card and some flowers. So please take advantage of your Valentine and give an early Valentine this year. Fill it out and give it to someone this Sunday if you can. Surprise someone with a Valentine. Now, when we think about Valentine and Valentine's Day, we think of love. And the story of Valentine's came from a man called, he was a pastor, Valentine. Believe it or not, Pastor Valentine. His name, when he was alive, would have been pronounced Valentius, Valentinus, um, meaning strong and powerful. So Valentine's means strong and powerful. He was an incredible pastor in the city of Rome in Italy. Um, He pastored and cared for Christians who were persecuted. In his time, it was illegal in the Roman Empire, to be a Christian. And here's the story of Pastor Valentine. Isn't he handsome? Isn't he handsome? I have to remember I can look at my new screen. I, uh, I don't have to visit my chiropractor anymore because I can look straight. Pastor Valentine's was under house arrest. It was around 250 A.D. He was arrested for evangelizing, for speaking the name of Jesus in public. And at the Roman Empire in 250 A.D., this was a, a, an offense for which you could be put in jail. He went before the judge. The judge's name was Estidius. So this is all historically documented. Estidius um, met with Valentinus, with Valentine. And what do you think Valentine said to uh, the judge Estidius? Well, Valentine said, you know, judge, you've got to meet Jesus. He was, he was an evangelist, and he couldn't stop himself, and he knew that the judge didn't know Jesus. Um, the, judge, the judge was intrigued by Valentine, and he said, You know, Valentine, Pastor, 
I have an adopted daughter who is blind. I'm going to bring my daughter to you. If your God is real, maybe he could heal her. And Valentine said, bring her to me. So the judge brings his little daughter to Valentine, and Valentine prays and lays his hands on her. And the child's vision was restored. It was a miracle, a true miracle. And the, the judge was humbled, and he said to Valentine, what shall I do? Um, Valentine replied that all of the idols in the judge's house should be shattered. The judge was, had in the day, in the 200s, had, had idols around his house to protect him. He said they should be broken. Then he said the judge and his family should fast for three days. And then he said you all should be baptized. And the judge obeyed. And he also agreed to free all of the Christian inmates under his authority. So uh, the impact of Valentine was incredible. The judge, his family, and the 44 members in his household, that includes him and his servants and, and family, were all baptized that day. 44 people were baptized. So it's an incredible story. So Valentine was released. But guess what happened? He kept evangelizing. You couldn't stop him. And he was arrested again. And he was sent to the center of Rome where he was to meet the emperor, Claudius Gothicus. There's a beautiful name for you, Claudius Gothicus. And Valentine, what do you think Claudius, uh, what do you think Valentine said to Claudius Gothicus? <laughs> and he was before the emperor. Well, he said the same thing. He said, you know, dear emperor, you should meet Jesus. You need Christ in your life. Well, it didn't work so well with this emperor. Claudius Gothicus commanded that Valentine either renounce his faith or he would be beaten and killed. So he had a choice, Valentine, to, to renounce his faith or to die. And guess what Valentine chose? He was murdered by this Caesar on February 14th, 269 A.D. So 1,749 years from the 14th, uh, next week, he was, he was killed. He was beaten and killed for his faith. Before his execution, Pastor Valentine wrote a letter to the young girl who was healed, the judge's daughter, Asterius's daughter. And according to tradition, he signed the letter, From Your Valentine. So the story of Valentines and the idea of writing notes and sharing words of encouragement come from a wonderful pastor called Valentine from Rome. All the more reason this year to write a Valentine note. Words of grace and encouragement. Can we do that this year? When was the last time you wrote a note of grace and encouragement? And don't worry about your handwriting. It's the, it's the love behind the words that matters. So Valentine was a committed believer. How committed was he? He was committed to death. He was, his life in Christ was more important than his life on earth. And he offered his life for his faith. 
And when I look at, these are called martyrs, people who give their life for their faith. When I look at myself, my question is, would I be willing to die for my faith? Would you be willing to die for your faith? It's a, it's a question we ask ourselves. How important is our faith? Do we give our faith the time, the finances, the, the depth that we should? What if someone at work approaches us and says, My life is, is so difficult. My children are having trouble at school. I need something to change. I need some help from somewhere. Do we love God enough to tell them about Christ and his hope and, and his help for their families? That's our challenge, to be Christ wherever we are. Our scripture asks the question, um, how faithful or how religious are you? People are religious about many things. Sports and movies and fishing and TV and video games and traveling and shopping. You name it. People can be religious about it. The word religious means sort of dedicated in heart and mind to it. But how religious are we when it comes to our faith? If we are religious, then our religion will be more of a relationship with Christ than simply something we do. You can really tell how religious a person is simply by seeing what they do. They may come to church. A lot of religious people come to church. It's a good place to go, to grow in your faith. But if you want to see a truly religious person, look for a man or a woman who's taking care of widows and orphans in their distress and keeping themselves from being polluted by the world. That's a believer. And that's what James tells us. Philippians 3, 7-9 says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. What's most important in your life? That's the question this morning. What is our religion, our faith built on? Knowing Christ is the most important thing in our existence. My four points this morning, if you're religious you have a greater responsibility. First, if you are religious, listen and do the word of God. Secondly, if you are religious, keep a rein on your tongue. Third, if you are a religious, minister to those in distress. And lastly, fourth, if you are a person of faith, keep yourself clean. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a person who looks in the mirror and after giving it, looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. I think we'd call such a person a fool. But the person who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, will be blessed in all he does. They'll be blessed in all they do. It's a great scripture. We're looking at two types of people. First type of person, a person who looks in the mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets. They forget what they look like. Number two, the person, the second person looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do what they are taught, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. So what kind of person are we? Are we the kind of person who 
who forgets quite quickly. We forget what we've, what we've heard on Sunday. We forget Monday. Or are we the kind of people who carry it in our hearts? God has revealed himself in his word, and we need to read it and live it. And then go out into the world in our daily lives and make it happen. We are his living word, living in us and through us. Imagine that as I look at you. You are his living word wherever you go. Imagine him using you in the hospital, in the school. I met the most wonderful garbage truck driver this week. I was down on Lake Erie and a garbage truck driver says, uh, go to this side of the road. There was a huge puddle. And I was thinking, I'm not going to that side of the road. And then he pulls up and he has this big old laugh. He flies out of his dump truck and he goes, oh, I was just kidding. I was thinking I was going to baptize you all at one time. As he flew by in his dump truck and splashed us all with the puddle. And we had a lovely chat. And he, before we are finished, he asked me to pray for him because he's going on a mission trip to Cuba. It's amazing the people you meet. He goes, you know where I do my ministry? I do it in a dump truck. I love him. I love him. Doing ministry wherever we are. If God has called you to live at Tabor, some of our our brothers and sisters in Tabor, they don't move so fast anymore, but they're doing incredible ministry with one another. So let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Tabor as they care for one another, as they're salt and light for Christ right next door. How can you tell if a person is a good listener of what God tells them to do? You can know they are listening to God because they do what God tells them. Listening and doing. Anybody can come to church and listen to a sermon. Anybody can read the Bible. But the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as my mama taught me. The proof of your faith is in your impact in the world. Amen? Amen. Your impact on the people you love, your impact on your children, your impact on your neighbor. When you look into the mirror of God's word and you see yourself as you really are, what should it make us want to do? When you look into God's word and it reflects on us, what does it make you want to do? Change. That's a good word. Repent. Grow. Love, care. As we, if we really look at God's word and it's a mirror of us, we have to change. We have to do something. And that's the call of the book of James. Do something. Uh, we, we saw the beautiful crocheted squares for, for cancer victims that Monica and friends are making. God bless them. You got to do something when you love Jesus. You got to play a guitar, Tim. You got to sing a song because you love him. If anyone considers themselves religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on their tongue, though, they deceive themselves and their religion is. Read that word out loud. Isn't that something? My religion, my faith is worthless if my words are not God's words. If I do not rein in my tongue, if I do not tame this thing, then my religion is worthless. 
It's amazing the power of our tongues. If we do not control our tongues, our faith is of no value. Our words can destroy everything with, about our faith. Our witness, our lives, our faith is worthless if we don't control this thing. Our pastor Paul likes to share interesting words with us. Here's something Paul would say. A closed mouth gathers no foot. I can see Paul out there. Isn't that something you would say? Yes, you would say that. Words are like arrows. They can be arrows of love at Valentine's Day or they can be poison arrows. What kind of arrows are we shooting? Each year the average person speaks two million words. We speak two million words. Taming our tongues is a full-time job. So please, beloveds, let's be careful how we speak. And before we speak, let us think. David, do we have that slide? And what is thinking? Think, T, before we speak, ask yourself, is what I am saying true? Next, ask yourself, is what I am saying helpful? If not, probably better not to say it. Next, is what I am saying inspiring, encouraging, loving? Are my words helpful? Is it inspiring? Wonderful. Say them. If they are not, probably better not to say them. N, is it necessary? Is what you're saying necessary? Lastly, is what you are saying kind? Ask yourselves, before you speak, think. True? Is it true? Helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind. Thinking before we speak is hard to do, so we have to ask God to help us on a daily basis. Lord, help me to say the right words. You know, I'm so blessed. I'm one of the few people here who gets to write my words down. I don't know if you know, I write a script. I write a little script, and I work all week on it, and then this morning I changed it all. Because I was thinking about you, and I was thinking, well, are these the right things? I didn't change the whole thing, David, so don't worry about it in the back there. It'll still work. But we don't write down our words, do we? And unfortunately, sometimes we don't think before we speak. So, beloved brothers and sisters, please let us think and then speak powerful words for Christ's sake. Next, if you're religious, minister to those in distress. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows, uh, orphans and widows in their distress. Do you know anyone in distress right now? Do you have a family member who is struggling? Do you need to care for them? I was in hospital yesterday. There are people in distress in the hospital. Dear brother with, with um, heart issues. You know, there's, there's so many people who are or distressed, we just want to be healthy. Do you have an, an older father or mother who needs some help, could use a kind word, who has trouble living on their own? We need to care for them. That's our call of Christ, to care for those in distress and need. When we lived in Africa, uh, there were a good number of orphanages all around us, and Sarah would go with her friend Isabel, and they would care for little children. And Sarah loves kids. And... Uh, for some reason, kids love Sarah, too. And so they would take care of these beautiful children. And it's not difficult to care for an orphan for a short time. But it's, uh, to care for an orphan is, 
requires constant attention, constant care, constant love. If we are truly religious, if we have a true relationship with Christ, then we are called to care. You, brothers and sisters, have a calling to care. They will know we are Christians because we are called to care. looking after widows and orphans in their distress. I know many widows. Why is it that widows outlive their husbands? I think women are stronger. What do you think? Have you figured that one out yet? Why do ladies live longer? I wasn't actually asking for comments. Uh, I don't know if you heard it, but but the comment was, men have more bad habits. Is that true, men? No, 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 it can't be true. Man, I I love caring for widows, for older ladies. I love hearing their stories and helping them move furniture and fixing their computers and teaching them how to use their iPads and and sharing life and faith wherever we find them. And some of them are right next door at Tabor. It's a joy every week to... I go to Tabor every week. And uh, I'm going to put my name in soon. And because uh, I love that place. I love that place. When I was living in Toronto, there was a dear sister. She was um, from Switzerland. And um, she was so kind, and she would make me Swiss little Swiss cookies and things and, and bring me Swiss chocolate. Wow, I was so lucky. And she would love to speak to her family in Switzerland on her iPad using FaceTime. So she would speak to all of her her grandchildren and and, uh, family on FaceTime. Well, you know, your iPads, they always stop working and you have to upgrade the the operating system and update the app. So she would always say, Pastor Rob, I would like to go to Tim Hortons. Now, she loved Tim Hortons because of two things. Apple fritters and free Wi-Fi, right? Those are two two great things at um, at Tim Hortons. Now she would say that to me, but she she it really wasn't about apple fritters or Wi-Fi. It was about me getting her iPad working again. So when she says, uh, Pastor Rob, let's go to Tim Hortons, I knew to bring to bring everything I could to fix her iPad. And um, it is so good when you can obey God. And take care of, uh, of, of widows and enjoy an apple fritter at the same time. That is such a blessing to do what God wants me to do and have a sugary treat. That's my calling. We are all called to take care of widows and orphans and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. If you're religious, keep yourself clean. We're going to finish up with verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I did uh, my research. The the word polluted um, actually isn't the direct translation of the Greek word. Um, Aspilon is the Greek word, and it means unspotted, to keep yourself unspotted by the world, like a spotless lamb, pure. When it comes to pollution, I think we need to realize that it's everywhere. Pollution is everywhere. Some people get so caught up in things of this world that they become pollution. They become 
they, they start off as a hobby or something or just a like, and, and they become, well, they become idol worship. They become a source of pollution in our lives. In Mexico City, the pollution is so terrible that they have tanks where you can, you can put on a mask and get some, some fresh, clean oxygen. As I was, this morning, as I was looking at the message, I was thinking, pollution. Pollution is whatever is opposite to what God wants for us. So what does God want for us? He wants love. What's the opposite of love? What's pollution? Opposite of love. Hate. Ignorance. How about joy? What's the opposite of joy? Unhappiness. I I thought of the word depression. Is that a bit of the pollution that's, that's bothering you? How about peace? What's the opposite of peace? War, disagreement, stress and tension. Is that a pollution in your life right now? Patience. What's the opposite of patience? Impatience, intolerance, kindness. What's the opposite of kindness? I think mercilessness, being inconsiderate. Is that a pollution in your life? Gentleness. What's the opposite of, of, sorry, goodness. What's the opposite of goodness? Badness, evil, thoughtlessness. Is this a part of our lives? Because if it is a part of our lives, it's a pollution in our, in our lives. How about faithfulness? What's the opposite of faithfulness? It's try in instead of un. Infidelity is the opposite of faithfulness. Being untrue to that which we believe and have promised. Disloyalty, infidelity. Lastly, what's the opposite of self-control? And don't point at anyone. (laughs) What's the opposite of self-control? Uncontrolled, undisciplined. These things are pollution in our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. And God is encouraging us through James to live spotless lives. To keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. Jesus offers us pure spiritual oxygen if we simply would breathe him in. If we would fix our eyes on him, read his word, let his light and his purity fill us. And then he forgives us. Uh, Every month when uh, when we celebrate communion, it's another opportunity to, to be cleaned. And we can do it every day as we ask forgiveness. But particularly when we celebrate communion, it's us saying, Lord, forgive, cleanse, make me spotless again. And we'll celebrate communion again in a couple weeks. Recently I read a study that shows that the more time you spend on... Young people aren't going to like this. The more time you spend on Facebook the greater your chance of depression and discontent in your lives. Somehow, these, these things on our devices impact us. So my question is, is there pollution that comes into your life and mind through something you do that you think isn't hurting you? But frankly, it might be. Are there things that you are doing you need to be more sensitive to that are putting spots on you and you didn't know it? Are there fumes from Facebook that... (laughs) Facebook fumes. Are there Facebook fumes that are impacting 
you because you spend hours and hours looking at something that you think is just neutral. But in fact, research shows that it impacts people and it it increases depression. So, beloveds, please be careful with your computers. Please be careful with your devices. Please be careful how much time you spend on your device. Be wise. Don't let your device manage you. Rather, you manage your device. So some of our beloved older brothers and sisters, uh, they don't have these devices. So talk to your grandchildren. Or better still, have them put down their phones so you can talk to your grandchildren. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, keeping ourselves from being polluted by the world. So I'm enjoying walking through the book of James with you. And as you go about your lives this week, may you remember what we have spoken about today. Let's not be like people who look in the mirror, walk away and forget. Rather, let us remember what God has taught us today. Please, beloveds, let us keep a rein on our tongue. Secondly, let us minister to widows and orphans and people in distress. And lastly, let's keep ourselves clean seeking to live lives of purity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us today. Father, we desire to be spotless, but we know that that's impossible without you. So we ask for your forgiveness, your direction, and your care. Father, it's impossible to reign in our tongues. Only you can give us the right words. Help us, Father, to think before we speak. And then, Father, perhaps not to speak at all. And if we do, Father, may our words be words of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then, Father, open our eyes to the needs of those in distress around us, to widows and orphans, to children, to those who have needs in our very community, even those here this morning, Father, give us the right words at the right time for the right person. And lastly, Father, help us to be clean. There's pollution all around us, some we don't even recognize. Help us, Father, to be pure followers of Christ. Walk with us this week, we pray in Christ's name. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.